October 23rd. Skating oval is a luxury. The city just can't afford it. This rink is on thin ice. Maybe we could work together to figure out a way to save the oval. But how? Can some holiday magic save it? We have to show him how many people love the oval. Glide into the holiday with the first movie of the season. Abigail Klein and Ryan Cooper. This has been my best Christmas. Christmas on Ice premieres Friday, October 23rd at 8. Part of It's a Wonderful Lifetime. 24-7 holiday movies all season long. And with those sweet sounds, we enter a new season of Stocking Stuffers, season six. I've been doing this for six years. For those of you who don't know, Stocking Stuffers are the time of year when uh, I, or one of your hosts of the Feminine Critique, starts tackling a whole lot of Christmas movies. Uh, it used to be kind of exclusively Hallmark Lifetime. It's It will evolve. I think this season we are open to new things and we're going to have some very uh, some oddball choices in here, which is very exciting. But as is the case, uh, as has been tradition for the last six years, we start with something that very much fits the vein. It helps us warm up and get into the season and what these things actually are. And for those of you new to this uh, section of the Feminine Critique, uh, I'm Emily, and what I'll be doing for the next couple of weeks, occasionally assisted by Christine, assisted by some special guest stars, uh, is taking one of these movies and talking about it, but more importantly, going through the kind of list of tropes that you kind of require to have in these movies in order to make them what they are. These are, you could call it the drinking game, you could call it the, you know, Christmas movie bingo, um, whatever, whatever term you wish, whatever. Uh, typically, these movies have to meet certain criteria, and most of them do. It's easy to do. Throw in some dead parents, throw in a wacky sidekick with dangly earrings, and you've got yourself a Christmas movie. It's that easy. Now, it's been quite a year. Uh, again, these run usually from the end of November to end of December, and a year ago was a very different time. Very different time, you might say. And we are going to be looking at some new movies. So some of the movies we'll cover may, in one way or another, have been affected by uh, coronavirus and the situation that we're in now. Um, the one today was not. Today's movie, the debut premiere of season six, I wanted to start with, again, something uh, kind of eh, kind of traditional that was going to fit the mold well. And what better way to do it than with Lifetime's premiere Christmas movie? So this aired, uh, no, I'm sorry, December. What am I talking about? Christmas in December? Who are you? No, this aired October 23rd, a week before Halloween. Christmas on ice. Uh, some of you might know I am a figure skating fan. So usually every, every I keep saying Halloween. It just, we didn't have Halloween. It was hard to deal with. Every time I do this cycle, I always try to find the figure skating movie because every year there's at least one. And this year, Lifetime took on that mantle and kind of, kind of. We'll, we'll get to how much figure skating there actually is in this movie. But wanted to go with this one. Uh, it is your typical young, pretty woman in love or, I mean, kind of. My God, this movie has no passion whatsoever, but the people are attractive and that's, I think, what we came here for. So Christmas on Ice. You heard the trailer. You heard the movie. Uh, I'm going to run through a quick plot of it. Uh, actually, before I do that, I really should talk about the pedigree behind it. So again, this is Lifetime Network. Uh, interesting thing about Lifetime is that they have historically been a little more um, 21st century than Hallmark. 
you get typically, um, you know, some more, some more women behind the camera, more um, people of color on screen, not that many, but a few more than you might find in Hallmark. Uh, and occasionally, if you look really close, sometimes there's something gay going on. Uh, this one is none of those things. This is a 2020 movie. Uh, however, it is not made, it wasn't a Lifetime movie. What this was, was made independently and then sold to Lifetime. And I found this out because there is actually a very long article about the filming of this movie. The writer and director of Christmas on Ice is none other than John Stimson. John Stimson is no stranger to this podcast because he is the same man who wrote and directed A Christmas Kiss, one of the weirder Christmas movies we covered, I think it was last year. And he has a couple of things that I think are very interesting and fitting into this world. He makes movies very cheap. Apparently this film uh, cost under a million dollars. Honestly, that seems like a high price for this movie, but still. He films a lot in the city of Worcester, Massachusetts. Uh, and he knows how to make a quick Christmas movie. I'm not saying he knows how to make a good one, but he very much understands what he needs to do to get this job done. So he kind of operates as his own studio. He makes the movie and then he sells it to the highest bidder. In this case, it was Lifetime. And for whatever reason, Lifetime decided this was the way they wanted to start. Now, I have a theory about that. And that is that this movie, because I'm watching the whole time trying to figure out uh, when was this filmed? It's always a question, right? Most one of the things we look for in these Lifetime Hallmark movies is... Uh, the movie being set during winter, but clearly the actors are like sweating through their winter coats because it's very much filmed in July. Uh, now, this year that's going to be interesting because obviously if you were filming in July, you were filming under different precautions. This movie, at first I was watching and I was trying to, I was thinking, you know, I feel like the characters are kind of far apart, but I think it turns out that it's just that nobody has enough chemistry to get close together because that's not the case. This was filmed in February. So this movie, filmed in Worcester, Massachusetts, on location, was right before we knew what was happening. Now, it, that's just fascinating. Imagine if this was the last movie filmed pre-pandemic, and this was the legacy that we left the world with. Uh, not so much, but it's filmed before, which means you're watching it and you're doing that thing. And I know we all do it now. Whenever we watch a movie now and we see crowds, we're like, oh, you shouldn't do that. You should wear a mask. Yeah, stay away from each other. But with this one, there's that added element of making it a horror movie where you're watching it thinking, what if some of those people had Corona? Like, it's February. It was here in the U.S. in February. We just didn't know it. Like, I had it in January, for those of you who don't know. I didn't know what I had. I just thought I had bronchitis. So you do have to wonder, and this is, like, I don't mean to bring it down, but there's a part of me that wonders how many people caught the virus while filming this movie. Uh, but now, let's get into the details of this movie. So I'm going to give you a quick plot, and then we'll run into the ten tropes. So, quick plot, uh, a young former ice skater named Courtney uh, works at an ice rink in Worcester, Massachusetts, and what do you know, big bad corporation is going to open up a bigger ice rink and this ice rink is going to charge people whereas her ice rink doesn't i don't know how she gets paid it's very confusing and the mayor uh who's a grumpy old man is going to like shift funding so there's going to be no free ice skating lessons and no christmas pageant 
um, unless she can save it. So, of course, she tries fundraising. But it turns out the guy running the other big, fancy, evil corporate ice rink is a handsome widow uh, with a child, of course. And he's a former hockey player. Uh, so in case you couldn't guess where this is going, they fall in... They don't really fall in love. I don't know if they fall in love. It, this movie doesn't really commit to them being in love. It's like they don't even go on a date together. It's like they go on a date and the kids... They, they go looking for Christmas trees, as you do in these movies, with his daughter. And there is a, a spark of chemistry, apparently. Uh, anyway, at first, he's going to kind of screw her over. Um, but... It turns out that his dead wife is also the mayor's daughter, who was also a skater. So Courtney is able to use that to thaw the, you know, grumpy mayor's heart. With that, give a presentation to the board, done by a montage, of course. And she saves the ice skating rink. And it ends with a kid fake eating marshmallows. And that is Christmas on Ice. Again, the story is usually not the most important part. What's the most important part is, does it nail what it needs to nail as a Christmas movie? I'm going to shout these out to you quickly so you know what they are. We have our lead in need of a lesson. Our setting being a very particular big bad city, charming small town, or winter wonderland. Our bland love interest, uh, a montage or two, dead wife or dead parents, sassy sidekicks, evil woman or boss, slapstick, sage old person, Santa Claus. Those are the 10 things we really kind of need, right? Usually we need like seven of them to make it real. But then there's a bonus round where we can add points. So our lead in need of a lesson. In this case, we have a lead, and she... So these kind of break into a few types. You either have my favorite type, which is the um, ver the workaholic corporate woman, right? Who needs her lesson. She needs her heart, heart to melt at the sight of a charming small town. Uh, this isn't that. This is the other side of it, which is like wistful young ingenue. Not nearly as fun. I always kind of... I feel like I should negate a point because... And I need to make a point of to myself of not watching these movies because they're just never as fun. I want my lead to be, you know, to have a tight bun and hold coffee and a cell phone and slowly, slowly over the course of a 90 minute uh, Hallmark journey to change that coffee out for hot chocolate. That's what I really look for in these movies. But we don't get that. We get a woman who's going to instead teach somebody else a lesson. Not as fun. Anyway, uh, this actress, by the way, is Abigail Klein. Uh, she she's fine. She's pretty. She doesn't offer much, but she's not like she's likable. But she doesn't have anything interesting to offer, if you will. Uh, the setting in this case, um, we get that kind of cross, right? We sort of it, we are in a city. Worcester is is not a tiny hamlet, but the movie kind of treats it as such, where. Uh, you know, there is a local ice rink and everybody knows each other and, you know, she can walk down the street and everybody waves, that type of thing. Uh, let's see. And also what happens, and a, a Christmas kiss was also filmed in Worcester. And here's the thing. I appreciate that this one at least was filmed in winter. Like there is snow and people are wearing coats and most of the time the coats are zipped up. But it's really ugly. Like this is a, this is not a pretty, like as much as I do prefer Lifetime generally to Hallmark. At least Hallmark makes everything look pleasant to the eye. Like everything looks like a still out of a holiday baking show. Whereas with Lifetime, you don't really know what you're getting. And this, like a Christmas kiss, it's gray, it's drab, it's overcast. There's just not a lot of 
you know, it, it's not that eye candy that maybe you look for. Number three is our bland love interest. And yes, we most definitely get one. And of course, we get bonus points because Noah, played by, no, I'm sorry, yes, Noah, played by Ryan Cooper. I couldn't tell which was which because I don't remember much about him. Uh, he's, you know, supposed to be the hunky ex-hockey player. More importantly, he is a single widowed dad. That, as we know, is a very important part of the love interest. Uh, we are instantly, we trust a man who was married and has a dead wife and has a child because, uh, you know, I mean, again, there's a more interesting way of looking at these movies is always to imagine them as uh, if you change the music out, that you have a lifetime movie about the perfect husband who isn't the perfect husband, but is actually the murderous husband. I get that vibe. I think Noah might have like killed his wife and staged it as cancer, but I don't know. Interesting thing about this actor who is not interesting at all. He's, he's fine. I don't know. He's there. He's good looking. He doesn't bring anything to the part. Um, but I, you know, I'm decided on, let me look him up. He looks a little familiar. Do I recognize him for anything? I don't, but holy shit, his next credit upcoming is a movie called Skate God. And of course I clicked on it on IMDb because I thought it must be a figure skating movie. This guy must really be a skater. That's cool. No. Skate God. Here's the description from IMDb. Oren, a skateboarder in a dystopia future, yes, dystopia, not dystopian, comes into self-discovery that he is the descendant of a Greek god and is plunged into a battle with a gothicized fallen society that wants to turn the outside world into hell on earth. It's like a skateboarder dystopian sci-fi flick with Greek mythology. I'm into this. Uh, We may have to cancel stocking stuffers and instead switch to dystopian Greek skateboarding movies. If that's a subgenre, I need it in my life yesterday. Moving on, the next thing we look for in these are montages. The more, the merrier. And in this case, we get five. Five montages. All of them are generally to kind of weird, cheap, fake Christmas music, if you will. Um, There's a song called Just a Little Miracle and another one called It's Christmas in the City Tonight, I assume, because those are like the main lines that they sing over and over again. So the montages we get, um, we get a uh, failing, a fundraising failure montage as Courtney goes from business to business, trying to get business owners to sign a pledge. And they just kind of like mouth and talk and shake their heads at her. Then we get another Save the Ice Rink montage where she's handing out flyers. Uh, Then there is the, um, this is a very standard one that you'll find in a lot of these movies, Bringing Home the Christmas Tree Baking Cookies montage. Uh, then once they get, once they save the ice rink, there is a planning the carnival montage. And then finally the festival montage, which does include ice skating, which is like 12 extra points. Number five, which I think is everybody's favorite, the dead parents slash dead wife. In this case, we get both because the dead wife was a parent. Hey, hey, hey. Uh, and this, we, we are introduced again, Noah's the we find out, like, whatever happened to his, to, you know, uh, his wife. So, again, she died. She had melanoma. She died of cancer. And, of course, she is the mayor's daughter. Uh, and it's, like, really milked. So it's the dead wife in this is a very important part of the movie. Uh, and there's actually, like, I can't decide if this is a cute tradition or a creepy one. But apparently one of the ways they honor, like, one of this father and daughter's uh thing for Christmas is that they bake gingerbread cookies of like all the people they love and they put them on the tree and they put the mom as the like angel on the tree. I guess that's cute. 
no, yeah, I don't really want to think of somebody baking a cookie of me and then eating it. There's there's something, there's a lot going on there. So I'm just going to move on. Uh, number six, the sassy sidekick. This is a very important part. I honestly think there's there's a lot of things that make or break a Christmas movie. And I will say the ones that really leave me wanting are the ones that don't have a sassy sidekick. We do have a sassy sidekick in this case. Uh, it is um, Courtney's roommate, Beth, played by Carolyn Portu, who is actually very likable. Um, this actress doesn't have many other credits, but she like, I thought was very natural on screen. So good for her. Uh, yes, she wears earrings constantly. She plays a Christmas elf, so that's a big thing. She also works for the mayor, so it's like she's a she's a photographer for the Chris for the Santa Claus, and then she's also like a I guess you know assistant to the mayor. Very busy woman, and also of course has no life of her own. That's not true. She starts dating the Zamboni driver, and that's a thing, but it doesn't really do much. But I think it just pads the time. So, Beth, you wore dangly earrings. Therefore, you are my sassy sidekick of the day so far. Number seven is our evil, you know, is our villain, which is always a corporate-esque character, usually a woman. Now, in this case, we don't. Our, our villain is, is the mayor, who is a grumpy man. Uh, but of course, he has a reason for that. But he's very, like, bottom line angry for a while. And it's like, very, like they do, like, there's a letter writing campaign. There's sort of a, um, like, Miracle on 34th Street-esque thing. It's, I'm making, I'm, I might be making it sound more interesting than it is. And I don't think it sounds that interesting. So, number eight, slapstick. Again, you gotta have it. You gotta have a character fall or spill coffee. And guess what? These two are two lovebirds question mark meet when they bump into each other in the mayor's office and when they bump into each other one of them drops their their folder that has like three pieces of paper in it and that's your meet cute and it's supposed to be kind of wacky but like literally there were three i counted there were three pieces of paper in there um she's also an ice skater so there is like a couple of moments of falling but it's not played for laughs like it's very much she gets like a minor concussion so uh, number nine is our sage old person, which I, uh, we don't really get, I'm going to say. Uh, there is early on, like the second scene of this movie, when I started getting excited at how cheap it was, there is a scene where Courtney is on the phone with her mother. And like, we kind of hear a voice in the background on the phone, but we don't. So it's just Courtney talking a lot. But then you hear like, not quite Charlie Brown parent, but a little bit of like, well, you should come home for Christmas, like that kind of thing. Um... So that's the way they work in her mother, who does give her advice on the phone. But, like, boy, is that lazy to me. But, I mean, the mayor softens and helps, but he doesn't really offer wisdom. So we are lacking that, I'd say. Uh, number 10 is Santa Claus. And, again, we don't really get – there are no supernatural elements here. Uh, Santa – there is a Santa. There is a, you know – a Santa who works at the ice rink and takes pictures with children. But it's not – there's nothing – He's not real. Okay. It's not the real Santa Claus. And so overall, I guess we're kind of at like seven and a half. Although again, if you, um, I mean, I'm saying seven and a half, but I'm going to double the points for the dead mom. That's very important. And we had five montages. And again, if you don't know this, I'm very bad at math. So I'm going to say we're at like 17 out of 10, which means as we move into the bonus round, we get a lot. Now, the bonus round items, uh, we add to them every year. I have two new ones this year. These are the things that you don't have to have, but you usually do, and it usually is exciting to find. The first one, I guarantee you will never see a 
cheaply made Christmas movie without one of these, and that is, of course, the public domain holiday song. If you don't know which holiday songs are public domain, just watch any one of these movies and you will learn very quickly because usually they just use all of them. Uh, you will never hear, for example, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer because that is not public domain. You have to pay a lot of money for that. So no movie you will ever watch is going to have that song play or even mention Rudolph because then again, they could get sued and none of these movies can afford a lawyer. But in the case of Christmas on Ice, we do get uh, Deck the Halls and like three versions of it and none of them are that good. Uh, product placement, which is not always there, but sometimes it is. And, and it's nice when I see it because I, it's been a while since I've gotten it and I get it a lot here. Uh, I mean, the whole movie is kind of an advertisement for the Oval, which is a real ice rink in Worcester, Massachusetts. So good on them. Uh, and then because this is like, it, they actually say that, that it's in the place they're filming, all of the local businesses that they show, I believe, are real. So there's a coffee shop that they like zoom in on the title. So good, good for them. And then Fidelity Bank. Fidelity Bank plays a small role in this movie. Uh, the next bonus item is a cloying child. I'm actually going to amend that for this year because I think, yes, you can have a cloying child. You get double points if it's a cock-blocking cloying child because that's the thing that keeps happening in these. You get like cute kid and then you get cute kid that keeps like popping up right in between two characters about to kiss and I don't know like is that cool I wouldn't think so uh in this case the little girl is named Grace um and she, I'm gonna say the little girl's cute she is genuinely cute on screen uh she's a fairly new actor that's that's what I'll say there um but there's like three times when her dad and Courtney are about to kiss and she just like drops out of the sky in front of them to disrupt that uh the next bonus item is ice skating which obviously i'm always going to look for and yes in this movie we get ice skating what's very exciting about the ice skating in this movie is it's not not a big part of it i mean obviously i mean i'm saying that this movie is called a christmas on ice and it is about a woman trying to save an ice rink and falling in love with a hockey player in the process but there's not like i don't know there's no heavy duty skating there's a little pageant which is fine but the best thing is that there's a moment kind of early on where Courtney is out on the ice and just skating all alone and of course Noah comes up and watches her and as you would expect and this is totally reasonable the camera stays very far back and is just filming it this woman skate and spin and do like a light jump like a lutz or two the greatest thing about this is hey look I'm I'm not saying you got to cast Ashley Wagner in this part but do you think when you are dressing your your skating double maybe notice that she has platinum blonde hair and your lead has dirty blonde hair because we see that the audience is going to see that and say that's not Courtney it's okay I get it you made the movie for nine dollars it's fine but I'm just saying it was there uh canadianisms we don't get any in this case um we love looking for them we're very happy when we find them this movie was filmed in, in massachusetts so we don't have them uh the next thing a character with a christmas name surprisingly we do not get there is no holly or eve uh but the season's early it's only the first movie we'll, we'll get there uh the next thing christmas tree lighting yes we get a decorating montage all of that uh, karaoke we do not get, which is a shame because it's become one of my favorite things to look for. Um, but really, the star upon these movies, I think the thing that we've all kind of really, really 
started to um, savor in these Christmas movies is the dilemma of how to act with an empty coffee cup. This this is a thing. I guess they don't teach it to you in acting school that you're doing a movie and you're it's winter, so your character has a cup that's filled with coffee or maybe hot chocolate. And, you know, the, the, the cup, when you, when you hold a coffee cup, there's a certain weight to it and it's hot, so maybe you're blowing on it or not holding it too close to you. Um, but, you know, movies are expensive and every, every dollar goes somewhere and putting liquid in a cup means what if you spill it? Now we got to reset and dry your hair and all of that. So usually they, they little known fact, they don't fill up these cups when they are filming things. And you might notice this because actors, for some reason, have a really hard time acting like their cups are full. Uh, in this case, of course, I look very closely for it. We don't get too much of it until towards the end. One of like the nine, I think it's like the eighth montage in the movie, when they actually have the Christmas fair. And there's a bunch of characters holding cups, like getting hot chocolate filled in their cups. And clearly they're like off the line as if they just got their hot chocolate. And again, they're like flinging it around and there's no lids on these, but it's supposed to be winter in Massachusetts. So, you know, I don't know, hot chocolate gets pretty cold pretty quickly. If you don't put a lid on it, you get my point. Um, I am going to add two new points to the bonus round for this year. We're also going to look for fake eating. Right, Another thing that actors in these movies are woefully unqualified to do unqualified, unqualified, what's wrong with me? 2020, man. Uh, they cannot fake act eat. So, and I, again, I understand it to an extent because you don't really want to eat on camera, right? Eating on camera is a pain in the ass. Now you took a bite out of the sandwich. Well, now we need to make sure that that bite is consistent when we do another take. Do, do you have to take that same bite? So there's that. I get it. But sometimes, if, if like a scene centers around food, and in this case, the very last scene of this movie, I actually put it up on Facebook, the little girl is toasting marshmallows. I don't know how you toast marshmallows, but I toast marshmallows by putting the marshmallow in a fire or near a fire and toasting it. I don't just ha hold a marshmallow on a stick, stand near a fire and say, mmm, marshmallows. And then the little girl has to eat the marshmallow. And by eating the marshmallow, she kind of just puts it to her mouth and 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 does like stares at the camera with her eyes and then says do you want some to her stepmother to be and her father and i'm thinking yes please please i need to see how, how these actors do it and they do it even worse the you know she brings it over to uh courtney who who nibbles like who like t literally takes a bite out of it like who you don't take a bite out of a marshmallow you eat a marshmallow a marshmallow isn't that big so there's that uh it, it always, every time I get a scene like this, I, I'm reminded of uh, Arrested Development when, you know, the chicken, the chi when the, the Bluths do the chicken and Michael says, has anybody in this family ever seen a chicken? I always want to say to the screen, has anybody in a Christmas movie ever actually consumed food? I, I need to know these things. So we look for it. And in this movie, we find out that no, no, these characters do not know how to eat things. Uh, and then the last thing I'm going to throw in there is, you know, I don't, I don't believe, I can't believe I never noticed it before. There's a lot of baking going on in these movies. Did you notice that? Like, I mean, yes, you bake around the holidays, but I do think that with the rise of like baking culture, you get the great, I mean, like we've had cooking shows forever, but I'd say the last five years or so, 
the Great British Bake Off and Holiday Wars and all of those different food shows that baking has become a thing, like more so. And we know that often in these movies, a character is a baker. Duh. I mean, she's either an evil, evil corporate beast or a baker. But there is something to be said for looking for the baking in these movies. And yes, we do get quite a bit of it here. Um, all right. And that's almost everything. One thing we like to do, if we can, is identify uh, our favorite uh, either Amazon or IMDb review of the movie. The one I found comes via IMDb. I believe this was a 10-star rating. And it's, you know, I... I I always like to give different viewpoints, right? So this is a viewpoint from Tracy Myers, who writes, who, or the title of her review is Good Chemistry! Exclamation point. Joyful Leading Lady! Exclamation point. <clears throat> it started out a little cheesy and with an unstable cameraman, LOL. It got better when the lead started to communicate. I absolutely loved the joy of the leading lady and her infectious smile. The lead man had charisma too. I loved it when Umpa, that's the mayor, laughed in one scene, felt truly spontaneous. The lead child was wonderful. I also love watching ice skating. I do too, Tracy. I will watch this one again for sure. So, I mean, that's how she felt about it. How did I feel about it? Uh, yeah. You know, this. it didn't have that much... Like, it didn't have the kind of charming stupidity and weirdness of A Christmas Kiss. But it wasn't the worst thing I've seen. It wasn't too... Uh, it wasn't hateful towards women, which is something we have to look for in these movies. Uh, it was fine. Um, I would say, if you really want an ice skating Christmas movie about a former figure skater and a hockey player, there is a better title out there. That movie would be Falling for Christmas, which I watched, I think, two years ago for this for the show. Uh, it's just much better. It's the, the leads are more likable. The skating is better. Uh, there's more chemistry. Stuff happens. This, I don't know. If you, if like you have, if like me, you have switched to your cable plan and don't have Hallmark um, and have Lifetime on demand. So you're like, hey, what movies are on demand that I can watch? Because I do a podcast about Christmas movies. And this is one of them. That's, that's kind of what I'll have to say about it. So I am hoping for, for more variety, for more wackiness, for more whatness. I think we'll get it. We have some exciting guest stars coming up. We have some wacky, zany looking movies coming up. Uh, we have some gay movies, which I am wildly excited about. I don't know how it took this long. I've only been asking for them for a very long time. But this is the way. This is what we get. Uh, join us for more stocking stuffers. We'll... I, I say we as if other people are with me, but really right now it's just my cats. I will have friends on the next couple of episodes. I promise you that. So if my voice is too much for you, you'll get others soon. On that note, tis the season, everybody.
And I can't wait till you three boys are back in school again. Oh, oh.